the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. As you know that I've been in this subject on impartation, the importance of it. Sadly, in this day and age, there are so many, even full gospel, Pentecostal people that do not believe in impartation. Um, and it's one of the reasons that I've, I've taken time to write this book that the Lord instructed me to release is because I understand, and, and I know you do, how important impartation is. And if you're just jumping on and you don't understand what impartation is or, or, or are wondering what we're talking about, impartation is literally just the transfer of one uh, quality from one person or one object to another. Um, to impart strength, to impart, it's, it's really to just give, to give something, to impart something. I am taking this quality and I am giving it or placing it in something else. So uh, in, in this context, obviously spiritually, we're talking about imparting spiritual gifts or imp imparting spiritual strength or spiritual power and how you can receive spiritual gifts, spiritual strength, spiritual power from one person to another. And it's found all through the word of God. And even though, and I'm actually kind of baffled about this, even though there's these, there's experts, quote unquote, nowadays that say that it's impossible for one Christian to impart to another Christian that all impartation has to come from God to man. Uh, the Bible's filled with stories of people who imparted <clears throat> spiritual gifts and strength and power to someone else in the Bible. And so I'm, I'm very baffled as to why they don't believe it. It's all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. So it, it's very, very baffling to me, but it, there needs to be an understanding, especially in our generation, on the subject of impartation. Because listen, it is God's system of increase and, and promotion in his body. And if you're taking notes, and by the way, if you've not taken a chance to share this broadcast yet, now's the time. Definitely share this broadcast. And by the way, for those of you that are uh, overseas and are going to be wanting to get these books, they're not going to just be available in hardback and paperback, but as well as all of our other ones, you'll be able to get them in ebook format on the Kindle store or on the iBook store. Now it's being called Apple Books. Uh, now they've done the new update, Apple Books or Amazon Kindle. Uh, you'll be able to get them in either of those places digitally as well in every country. So I wanted to just say this ahead of time. Impartation is God's system of promotion and advancement on the earth. And I want you to put that in the comments. That's what we're starting with that thought today. Uh, and if you're, if you're watching this right now, wherever you're watching, YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, put it in the comments. Impartation is God's system of promotion and advancement on the earth. Impartation is God's system of promotion and advancement on the earth. This is so important. This is a subject that cannot be ignored. This is a subject that cannot be cast to the side. It's not some little tiny side thing. It's how God operates in his body. Uh, think of it this way. 
you know, we know God is, is resourceful and God is efficient. God's not going to ask us to be resourceful and efficient and then he not be that way. So you understand it would be stupid for God. Let me give you first a, a, nat, a natural analogy. Can you imagine if in the scientific community that every generation of scientists, when they were done with all of their research and development, all the years they've given to science, if before they died, they took all of their research, all of their findings, all of their developments and burnt them before they died so that the next generation could not have them and could not benefit from what they'd learned throughout their life in the scientific community. Can you imagine where we would be today if that's the way the world operated? That every time we got to the next generation, every scientist had to start from scratch in order to develop technology in that generation. That would be absolutely foolish. So you understand that even the world doesn't think that way. We understand that when another generation of scientists is raised up or inventors, you understand we're benefiting from the previous generation's research and development. I'll give you an example. I'm holding in my hand an iPhone made by Apple. But this, although Apple invented this iPhone and really it was one of the first touchscreen, if not the first touchscreen smartphone uh, available. They invented this iPhone. However, the invention of this iPhone <clears throat> would not have been po possible if the people that went before them did not invent the components of this iPhone. So let me give you the, the example. Apple invented the iPhone, but they did not invent the microchip. Apple invented the iPhone, but they did not invent the ability to mine and refine aluminum and glass. Someone else invented that and discovered that. The ability to mine glass and aluminum out of the ground, shape it and refine it so that it could be formed into a case and a screen. Apple invented the iPhone, but they did not invent touchscreen technology. That's, that's been around for decades. They didn't invent that. But what did they actually do? What did they actually do? They took all of the technologies that had already been invented, cellular technology. They didn't invent cell phones, so they took cellular technology. They took touchscreen technology. They took the ability to refine aluminum and glass. They took all of these technologies, the microchip and the processor, and they learned, they had a vision how to take what had already been done and formulate it into a brand new product that had never been in existence. So, literally, if you think about it this way, the iPhone or any other smartphone is the result of impartation. Because these inventors, these scientists, whoever put this together, they took what other people had already learned and developed and researched and took all those components, combined them and brought it to the next level. And now we have a device that shook a generation, literally. They took a generation by storm with this device. Now that, then the iPad, you know, you think about the iPad, everyone said there's no need for a tablet device in the market. Everyone said that. Well, we already have small laptops and we already have smartphones. There's no need for another device. Now you look around and, and, and tablet devices are making laptops obsolete.
Why? Because they had a vision to give us something new that had never existed, but what did they do? They took previous technology and they combined it to create something that never existed that now took a whole generation by storm. You see this? And because it took the generation by storm, now we have something so much more valuable. Why? Impartation. Impartation. They were able to go and build upon what was done before them. And this is the same way that God operates in the body of Christ. It would be foolish for God to then, at every generation, let what those people did die with their life and never allow that to be imparted to the next generation. I'm sitting in front of you today as an example of generational blessing and generational impartation. I am not the first minister of the gospel in my family, the Shuttlesworth family. In fact, my grandfather and grandmother had been ministering for 62 plus years before anything else happened. You know, they, they set the foundation and they, their faithfulness, their, their ability to learn and to develop in the anointing and to do what God's called them to do. All of that was going on. And then they had four sons who also were called by God, who benefited from their parents' faithfulness. And then they all had children, and now all their children, which is me included, and all the others, my cousin Jonathan and Jessica, my sister Megan, my, my cousin Matthew, his sister Michaela, my cousins Chelsea, Brooke, Preston, Grayson, all of these cousins that are third generation are also benefiting now from the power of impartation and development. We've received generational blessing. We've received generational impartation that comes into us because of the previous generation's faithfulness. You see where I'm going with this. And so now my children and all of their children, fourth generation, are now receiving fourth generation impartation and are gonna walk in favor and blessing and increase that uh, they didn't even fully work for. It'll be passed down because God's honoring the faithfulness of every generation. Impartation is the ability for me to uh, deposit into someone or someone to deposit into me supernatural qualities, supernatural gifts, supernatural strength, supernatural anointing. And it's true. It's all through the Bible. And I'll take you through it. But I want you to understand today we're dealing with this. And, and please take a minute and share this broadcast because this is so vital, so important for this generation to hear that today we're going through this. The, the, the interesting thought, this is a, a secret about impartation that nobody wants to talk about. A secret about impartation that almost nobody wants to hear because we live in a generation that wants everything instantly and quickly. Everything. We want everything instantly and quickly. We live in a fast food generation. We live in an internet generation that if we want it, we want it right now. We want it right now. And because of that, it's caused us even in the spiritual realm to try to want to be able to just grab our blessing and run. And, and God doesn't operate like that when it comes to impartation. So everybody, for example, it makes me laugh, but everybody wants to be able to just go to a meeting, go to some revival service or some conference and have hands laid on them one time by, you know, a minister of some sort or a prophet or, or whatever. They want hands to be laid on them. They want a prayer to be prayed over them. And then they leave there with that person's 
mantle or full impartation. And, and it doesn't work like that. You may be able to receive an impartation that way. Yes, of course you can. The laying on of hands is one of the ways that impartation takes place. Without question, it is. I've received impartation that way and many others have. And the Bible teaches it. And I'll show it to you in a moment. But you can't receive someone's mantle or their full impartation because they laid hands on you one time or because you heard, uh, you, heard, you heard them preach a message one time or something they said connected with your spirit. That's not how full impartation or the mantle being transferred takes place. And that's why I want to deal with this today because it is a vital component of the body of Christ. And I want you to write this in the comment section. This is so important. Every person that's watching, put this in the comments. It matters who you serve. I want you to write that. It matters who you serve. It matters who you serve. This is so vital that you catch it. It matters who you serve. A true impartation, a full impartation, if I can say it this way, a transfer of mantles. We're talking about Elijah to Elisha, Moses to Joshua, Paul to Timothy, Jesus to the disciples. It matters who you serve because a full impartation, a transfer of mantle, it actually comes through time in service, time in serving. And without that, you can't receive a full impartation. I want you to, I want you to notice with the, the examples I'm giving you. Joshua did not just have Moses lay hands on him one time. <laughs> Elisha did not just have Elijah lay hands on him one time. The disciples did not just have Jesus lay hands on them one time. You understand? Timothy didn't just have Paul lay hands on him one time. These are men that made the decision to serve these other men. And their service, their service brought them a full impartation or what we could say is a transfer of mantle. Now, understand this, a mantle transfer, I'm using that term because it's, it's what took place between Elijah and Elisha. Elijah uh, put his mantle, his cloak on Elisha's shoulders as a sign that you're taking over from where I'm leaving off. So when I say a transfer of mantle, what I, what I mean by that might, might sound like super religious uh, talk or, you know, Christianese. Uh, what I'm talking about there is that it, it's a transfer of that person's anointing onto your life for a purpose. So not everybody's going to receive a mantle transfer, but everybody can receive an impartation. Okay. So let me, let me, let me show you what I mean by this. There are many people that I've received impartation from many people, many, but I've not, I've not received all of their mantles. That would be insane. Because I want you to see this, a mantle is not just an impartation, it is also a transfer of purpose and function. That's so important that we, that we understand that because there's people running around, I've got so-and-so's mantle, I've got so-and-so's mantle, I've got, and they've never even met them. It's like, you've never met that person. You don't have their mantle. <laughs> you know, it's like people running around, you know, I've... I've got, I, I don't, I don't even want to name names because I don't want, I don't want anybody to be offended, but I want you to understand there are people running around. I have so-and-so's mantle. I've got so-and-so's mantle. I got so, you've never even met the person. You don't have their mantle. 
You don't have, you might have received an impartation of some sort from that person. You might have heard something they preached that jumped into your spirit, gave you revelation and gave you divine strength through the word. You might have received an impartation. Maybe that person laid hands on you one time in in a revival service or a conference or a meeting and you received a measure of impartation that way, but you don't have their mantle. A mantle is not just tossed to somebody flippantly because hands were laid on them one time or because they heard a word from that person. A mantle is much different than just an impartation. And I want you to write this so that you understand it in the comments. A mantle is a transfer of purpose and function. A mantle is a transfer of purpose and function. For example, you're not going to receive somebody's mantle and then go do something completely different than what they did. You're not going to receive somebody's mantle, quote unquote, a full impartation and go do something different, completely different than what they did because that's not how it works. A mantle is a transfer of purpose and function. Notice this. Notice that Elijah was a master prophet. Sometimes I'll refer to him as a professor prophet because there was a school of prophets founded by Samuel. If you study the Old Testament, Samuel founded a school of the prophets. And when you see them mentioned in the Old Testament, they're called the sons of the prophets. And this this was groups of prophets being trained in different locations. And there was some at Bethel. There was some at Jericho. Uh, you go through and even Elijah's final trip before he crossed the Jordan river, he was stopping at every school of the prophets along the way, the sons of the prophets. And notice all the sons of the prophets talked to Elisha and they'd come out. Don't you know your master's going to be taken away from you today? And so the sons of the prophets, those being trained in, in, in being prophets or staying in the roles of prophets, there were schools. And the reason I call Elijah a, a professor prophet is because the Bible says that he would sit and teach and they would all sit at his feet and learn from him. He was the professor. He was at the higher level. We call him a master prophet. He was at a higher level than they were. So he had the ability to impart to them and he had the ability to transfer anointing and strength and wisdom into them. So Elijah was a master prophet. Notice that when Elijah was taken up into heaven and he tossed his mantle down for Elisha to take up. Elisha didn't take his mantle and then go become a king somewhere or go back to becoming a farmer again. You know, that's where Elisha was, but before he, he took over his role as the servant of Elijah, he was a farmer. Notice that he didn't take Elijah's mantle and go become a politician. He didn't take Elijah's mantle and go become a farmer again. He didn't take his uh, mantle and become a tax collector. Notice the reason that he took up the mantle was because now it was time for Elisha to step into the role of master prophet, of professor prophet. And the Bible tells us that that's true because just shortly after he took up the mantle and came back across the Jordan River, only chapters later, he's sitting in the same spot that Elijah sat teaching the sons of the prophets and they are all sitting at his feet and now Elisha is in the chair 
teaching all these other young ones. Why? Because he was not just receiving an impartation from Elijah. He was receiving a mantle from Elijah. And a mantle, if you haven't written it, put it down. A mantle is a transfer of purpose and function. A mantle is a transfer of purpose and function. Very, very interesting when you look at how that works is that you're not just going to receive somebody's anointing for their abilities, but for their calling and their purpose as well. And so Elisha carried on what Elijah started in the earth that God had him start. You go back and look at the story of, um, go back and look at the story of, of Moses and Joshua. Moses was anointed by God to bring God's people out of bondage and slavery out of Egypt and take them into uh, the promised land. And for all that time, 40 years, 40 years through the desert, Moses is the one that God has anointed to lead uh, what scholars tell us was anywhere between three and six million Jews that are coming through the desert. Three million people at the minimum, let's say, conservatively. So you've got three million Jews that are taking a march through the desert for 40 years and one man is leading them, Moses. Moses, it was his calling, it was his purpose, it was his function to lead them out of bondage and into the promised land. Well, when it became evident and apparent by God that Moses was not going to be allowed to take those people into the promised land, there was someone else who had to receive his mantle, his calling, his purpose, his function, his anointing, his impartation. Now, who was qualified? Joshua was qualified. Why was he qualified? He was a man of faith. When he was sent in with the other uh, 11 spies into the promised land and they came back out, 10 of them had an evil report, a report of doubt and fear. We, we're too small to take this land. There's giants there. We're grasshoppers in their sight. We'll never be able to do it. And it was Caleb and Joshua who said, we are well able to take the land. The, the, we will, they'll become bread to us, talking about the giants. They will become bread to us. And so they had a faith report. So two men were now qualified to take that place, but it was Joshua who received it. Why did he receive it? God raised him up and the Bible says Moses laid hands upon him and transferred into him the mantle not just the anointing or impartation, but the mantle. And here's how you know it's true. That the moment that Moses did it, the Bible says the loyalty of all of the people shifted to Joshua. Now that right there is a supernatural miracle. I mean, that, that is literally a supernatural miracle. And let me tell you why. Just think about today. If a church gets a new pastor, you know, 300 people in a church, gets a new pastor, you're going to lose probably about 50% of those people, you know, to let's say 30 to 50%, you're going to lose them. Why? Well, I don't like this new pastor. I don't like the way he does things. Well, I don't like his, the way he preaches. I like our old pastors way he preached. I don't like the music. I don't like the new format. I don't like blah, blah, blah. And what happens? You only got 300 people in there, maybe less. And you lose almost a quarter to a half of them because of new leadership change. This is interesting because the Bible says there were 3 million Jews and there was a transfer of leadership to Joshua from Moses. However, when Joshua took over, the Bible says that the hearts of all the people 
transferred their loyalty to him. That's a miracle. That shows you it's not just a natural change of leadership, but it shows you that it was a supernatural impartation and transfer of mantle. Because notice this, once Joshua took over from Moses, he didn't change the plans. He wasn't going to know, well, we were going to the promised land, but now we're going to Disney World. No, he didn't change the plans. Because once the mantle is transferred, it's a transfer of purpose and function. It is a transfer of purpose and function. It means that whatever God called Moses to do, whatever calling and function he placed in his heart, a mantle transfer means that I'm not just getting supernatural gifts, but I'm also getting a calling, a purpose, a function. And now Joshua is to carry out the function and the purpose that Moses was carrying, which is to take God's people into the promised land, which he did which he did. And so there's, there's a difference. I want you to catch this. There's a difference between an impartation, a receiving of spiritual gifts, strength, whatever, and a transfer of mantle. I don't want us to get into this weird flow that everybody's in, you know, in, in, in America and around the world right now where everybody's just snatching up people's mantles left and right. It's like, we're not even qualified to take them. You don't take a mantle from someone. They give it to you. Catch this. You don't take a mantle from someone. Please put that in the comments. Please somebody write that in the comments. You don't take a mantle from someone. They give it to you. You don't take a mantle from someone. They give it to you. Notice that. Moses had to give what he had to Joshua. Elijah had to give what he had to Elisha. Jesus had to give what he had to the disciples. Paul had to give what he had to Timothy and to others, Philemon. Titus. He had to give it to them. They, they don't take it. You can't snatch somebody's mantle from them. That's crazy. That's thievery. <laughs> but you just, there's these conferences now. I mean, if you've never seen this, there's these conferences now where uh, they're, they're literally, I saw a guy the other day. He was like, literally, he was having a service where he was giving people's mantles away in the service. Tonight, we're giving away um, blah, blah, blah. We're giving away such and such, su such and such a person's mantle. Tonight, we're giving away Smith Wigglesworth's mantle. Tonight, we're giving away John G. Lake's mantle. Tonight, we're giving away A.A. Allen's mantle. And, and like it's a service dedicated to giving someone's mantle to the crown. You never even met that person, which means you don't carry their mantle, which means you can't give it away. You can't give it away. You know, I think back uh, of something where I see, like even in my father, I see him minister many times and I'll see things that I've seen when A.A. Allen ministered. And although my father never met A.A. Allen, it's interesting that my father served R.W. Schambach for years, years. And Brother Schambach served Brother Allen for years, for years. So because Brother Schambach was able to serve Brother Allen for all those years, he was able to receive, and you could see it if you study their ministries, he was able to receive not just impartation, but a transfer of mantle. It came upon Brother Shambach because he served fully Brother Allen. And then my father served Brother Shambach, and I don't think there's anyone that can deny, you can see the, pr the proof and fruit of it in his ministry, that you can see the transfer of mantle that came upon my father. And so when I see that, 
he's receiving not just transfer from Brother Shambach, but from what Brother Shambach had from Brother Allen. It's a pipeline. Do you see this? It is a pipeline that God uses to continue promotion in the body, to continue advancement of the body of Christ. And it would be foolish of God to let every person's purpose and anointing die when the person died. It is transferred. It is, it is given through, fully given through service. You don't take a mantle from someone. They give it to you. You never take it. They give it to you. And so it's not something you can just steal. You can't break into someone's house in the middle of the night and take their mantle. It doesn't work that way. And so be, be very wary of these conferences and these meetings where you've got people just giving other people's mantles out and just giving people's anointings away. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. Kids just going, I can't imagine standing up in a service and saying, now tonight we're giving away Brother Smith Wigglesworth, who's been dead for over 100 years. We're giving away you know, his, his mantle tonight. We're giving away his anointing tonight. So everybody that wants to receive Smith Wigglesworth's anointing, I want you to get in line. We're going to lay hands upon you. I have no ability to do that. And it would be foolish of me for, to, to try to do that. It, it's, it's, it's nonsense. Now, you look at others. It, here's an interesting thought. You look at others. See, because it's, it's, it's a line. Understand this. It's a line of transfer. It's a line of transfer. So you look at somebody like Smith Wigglesworth imparted to Howard Carter. And both Wigglesworth and Howard Carter imparted to Lester Sumrall. And Lester Sumrall imparted directly to Pastor Rod Parsley. So you look at that line and you see there's men like Smith Wigglesworth and Howard Carter and Lester Sumrall who their spirit and their anointing and their virtue and their ability have been transferred into Pastor Rod Parsley. And so it's how it works. It's a line of transfer. It's a line of mantle change. But you can't just run in there and take it. So now you watch. People who would serve Pastor Rod Parsley will receive the anointing and the mantle and the gift that's upon his life. That's how it works. My father has said it this way for, for years, that in order to have a gift, you have to sit under a gift. In order to have a gift, you've got to sit under a gift. And I want you to write that if you're taking notes. My father has said that for years. If you want to have a gift, you have to sit under a gift. And I've been teaching it like this today. You've got to serve a gift. You've got to serve a gift. Because nothing comes easy and it's not cheap. It's something that you dedicate. Now, my friend, Pastor Alan Meshagan Jr. was preaching at our church this weekend. Phenomenal preacher. If you've never heard Pastor Alan Meshagan Jr. preach... I encourage you to go check him out at his church online, uh, Full Turn Church, where he pastors in uh, Dallas, Georgia, or Hiram, Georgia is where the church is. And uh, their church is called Full Turn Church. And they're on Facebook, uh, they're online. You can find their church and you can hear him preach. He's a phenomenal preacher. Um, he, he's, I mean, just, I consider him to be one of the, one of the greatest preachers of my generation. I, I feel like he's got a powerful word in his mouth. Um, anointed, you know, anointed fire of the Holy Ghost and great revelation of God's word. He's a phenomenal preacher and I love him. And he was at our church this weekend and he was preaching a great, great message. And the message was on honor and he was talking about the power of honor. But one of the things and the points that he made, which, which is a phenomenal point is that he made the point 
that and he, and he took the um, and he took two verses of scripture from Second Corinthians and from the book of Matthew, and and of course we all know the scripture that says that we have this treasure hidden within earthen vessels. So the treasure is the anointing or the gift that's on the inside of you, and the vessel is your physical body. It's an earthen vessel. God took a physical man like you and me and poured into us the anointing of his spirit, the transfer of his power. So we are now earthen vessels that carry a treasure, which is the anointing of God. Paul said it to the Corinthians this way, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So we literally carry the power of God in our physical bodies. But then it was really awesome to me because um, Pastor Allen, as he was here preaching, broke it down and took us all the way back to the book of Matthew. And um, I love this because as he's teaching it, he was talking about the power of buying the field. Now, this is a great analogy, and I, and I, I love that he, he preached it this way. He said that the, um, and this, you can find this in your Bible, in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, and this is what he said, and this is what he was preaching and teaching this weekend. He said, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So notice what uh, the Bible's saying here. The kingdom of God is like a field that carries treasure on the inside of it. And the man that knows that sells all that he has so that he can then buy the field. But notice this. This is so vital to what I'm telling you right now. He, notice that the man didn't just buy the treasure. Notice that the man bought the entire field, not just the treasure, which means he bought the dirt. It means he bought the rocks. It means that he bought the grass. It means that he bought everything that was in that piece of property, but he gets to benefit from the treasure. But notice he sold all he had to purchase it all, which means that when you are seeking an impartation from someone, when you are seeking a mantle change or a transfer from somebody, this is such a vital principle to learn because the Bible is teaching that the man did not just send, you know, take part of his money and buy a little piece of the field. No, spent all that he had, sold all that he had and bought that field. So notice this, it's a total investment. If you are going to receive an impartation or a mantle transfer from somebody, Notice it is a full investment. And in fact, write it in the comments this way. If I want to receive full impartation, no, no, write it this way. Full impartation takes total investment. Put it down that way. Full impartation takes total investment. Full impartation takes total investment. Full impartation takes total investment. You've got to catch this. This is so very vital to understanding how impartation and transfer takes place. You can't just flippantly grab onto somebody's mantle and rip it away and take it down the road. It doesn't work like that. Full impartation takes total investment. Look at Mike and Caitlin LaValle. If Mike and Caitlin LaValle, for example, want to receive a full impartation, from Pastor Brian Tomes and Jessica Tomes at Crossroads Community Church. 
if they want to receive a full impartation from that man and woman of God and that ministry, you know what that's going to take? Not just church attendance. It's going to take full, total investment in that anointing. It takes total investment in that anointing. What do I mean by that? It's not just church attendance. It's serving. What can I do? You look at the way Elisha served Elijah. Joshua served Moses. The disciples served Jesus. Timothy served Paul. It takes a full investment, total investment. It means that I'm not just flippantly attending when I feel like it. It means that I just I don't just sit in a seat in the church. It means that I get in and I want to know what can I do? How can I serve? How can I provide for what God's doing in this place? How can I take myself and my family and be fully invested in what this ministry is doing? How can I be fully invested in this vision and in this man and woman to receive what they have and to have it take place in my life? I need that, so I'm going to serve that. I need that, so I'm going to serve that. I need that, so I'm going to serve that. You see that? I need that, so I'm going to serve that. That's what you see. When you understand, you look at man like uh, Pastor Brian and, and, and uh, Jessica, and you may look at their marriage, and you may say, man, I, I love their marriage. They have such a great marriage. They have such a wonderful marriage. Pastor Brian and Jessica have such a wonderful marriage. Pastor Nathan and Joey have such a wonderful marriage. You can go through the list of everyone we know. You know what? I need that, so I'm going to serve that. I need that, so I'm going to serve that. And then what flows in them flows down to you. What flows in them flows down to you. What flows in them flows down to you. It ne- and remember, there's negative impartation. There's negative impartation. That's why I refuse <laughs> to have hands laid upon me by people that I know are full of issues. They got issues everywhere you look. I don't want what you've got. I don't want what you have. Don't lay hands on me. That's why I don't let anyone lay hands on me. You know, there's people that always are requesting. I'll go to places, we just feel we want to lay hands on you before you minister, brother. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I don't know you. Why? First of all, number one, I don't know you. Number two, I don't know what you carry. Number three, I don't see the fruit of your ministry or life. What would, how would I know what's flowing into me when you lay hands on me? I don't want you laying hands on me if I don't know you. That's craziness. Having hands laid upon you is a serious thing. It's a biblical, spiritual, supernatural thing. I don't need just anybody laying hands on me. I don't need just impartation from anybody. I need it from those that carry what I want. What I want. That's what I'm looking for. That's why I'm willing to fly thousands of miles to somebody, to where they're ministering, in order to have hands laid upon me by a man of God that I know has shaken nations. That's why I'm willing to spend thousands of dollars and then before I'm, I'm done, put a check of, of $10,000 in their hand to be a blessing. You know why? I want that, so I'm going to serve that. I want that, so I'm going to serve that. I want that, so I'm going to serve that. If you want a full impartation, it takes service. It's not having hands laid upon you one time. Full impartation takes total investment. The kingdom of God is like a man who found treasure in a field. And I'm telling you, you should go back and watch that message from Abundant Life Church Facebook page this last week. And I'll share it again. I shared it, but I'll, I'll share it again to our, our ministry page. You need to go back and watch it. This last Sunday, um, Abundant Life Church 
Facebook Live. Pastor Alan Meshagan Jr. preaching that message. You need every one of you that are watching this need to go watch that message because it was a masterpiece on honoring and how honor brings you into a place of blessing. And honor is not something we do flippantly. It's not something we do flippantly. It's a service. Full impartation takes total investment. We see the we see the treasure. Now, let me break down what that means for a second because I want you to know I want you to know that this is 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 so important that when I say he purchased the whole field including the dirt, including the rocks, including everything else that was there plus the treasure, that means and I want you to hear this, that means that you are going to you are never going to find perfect people to receive impartation from ever people are people and no matter how uh, spiritual a person is they still at this point in life are in a flesh body that wants to do things that are fleshly and there may be times that the person you're serving doesn't do things exactly the way that you'd like them to be done or they don't talk exactly the way you'd like them to talk do you think that there's people that I've served that have never been in the flesh before? Do you think, that's why the Bible teaches us to know no man after the flesh. I don't desire to know the flesh part of you. I want want what you got in your spirit. You understand what I mean by that? So let's say, for example, there's somebody that you're wanting to receive from, but then you may encounter them on a day where, you know, they haven't fully taken authority over their flesh and they're not walking in the fruit of the spirit. You may, you may see or, or hear them respond harshly to somebody or say something that's mean or, or do something that was a mistake. Well, see, here's the thing. If you allow yourself to disconnect from the person that you want to receive what they have in the spirit because of something small they did in the flesh, then the problem is this. You're knowing that person after the flesh, not after the spirit. And you're allowing something they did temporarily in the flesh to cut you off from the treasure that's in the field. Notice the treasure is in their spirit, but you bought the dirt too. Remember that. And I'm not talking about people that are just going around living in sin. I'm not talking about people that are sleeping around. I'm not talking about people that are on drugs. I'm talking about people that are living for the Lord. You know, imagine it probably wasn't easy to be around Dr. Lester Sumrall. He was a gruff man. He was a gruff man. If you ever have read stories about him or you remember watching him preach or you've ever been around him, he was, he was a gruff man. I'm sure he didn't say things to people always in the way they wanted to hear them. He probably just said it plain to your face. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. You can choose to get offended or not offended, but this is the truth. But the thing is, you didn't just buy the treasure. You bought the dirt. You bought the field. You bought the rocks. You bought the grass because you know there's a treasure in that field, but the treasure is under the dirt. And this is what people don't get because we live in an outrage culture where everybody wants to be offended about everything that happens all the time. And if things don't go exactly the way they wanted them to go, peace, I'm out. And and that's how people want to act. And they wonder, how come there's no impartation? Why are there no spiritual fathers? How come people don't even believe in spiritual fathers anymore? It's because we've been trained to live in an outrage culture where we, we get 
puffed up with pride instead of being meek and humble and saying, you know what? No matter what he says, no matter what I've seen, it doesn't matter. I'm pressing in because the treasure is in the field. The treasure is under the dirt. You don't always have to be my best friend in order for me to get an impartation from you. I don't have to be going to dinner with you three times a week. I don't have to be over at your house. I don't have to be golfing with you 19 times a quarter. You understand? I don't need you to to cater to me. I don't have to be pandered to if I am not willing to get... See, that's the problem is people think, well, if if they really love me, they'd make me one of their best friends. They'd make me one of their inner circle. A mentor is not supposed to be your best friend. That's not how it works. A mentor is not supposed to be your best friend. There he is online, Pastor Alan Meshagan, powerful preaching machine, powerful pastor. I was encouraging him to go back and watch your message, Pastor Alan. But a mentor is not supposed to be your friend. So understand, if I don't know that the treasure is under the dirt, then I'm not going to ever be willing to dig in order to get to the treasure. And I'll let the first sign of something somebody did in the flesh turn me away from my impartation because I'm missing out on what's really in them, the treasure that's in their field. But I'm willing. I spent everything I have. I'm totally invested. And I bought the dirt as well as the treasure. And I'm willing to move the dirt out of the way in order to gain access to the treasure. You see? And so understand this, there's many people that have missed their impartation because they expect it to be dinner every week with their mentor and they expect it to be, I I get to, I want them to break their time and their schedule to go golfing with me every five minutes. And I want them to come over to my house. I want us to go to the movies together. I want us to hang out at the mall. That's not what a mentor is. It's not what a mentor does. That's what your contemporaries are for. That's what your peers are for, not your mentor. Your mentor is there to direct you, to guide you to put you in correction, to put you in reproof, to get you back on the right track. And if you're expecting your mentor to be your contemporary, you'll miss your impartation. If you're watching, I want you to write it in the comments. If I'm expecting my mentor to be my peer, I'll miss out on my impartation. If I'm expecting my mentor to be my peer, I'll miss out on my my impartation. If I'm expecting my mentor to be my peer, I'll miss out on my impartation. I'll miss it because they're not my best friend. They're my mentor. They're my spiritual father. They may be be a friend of mine. I'm not saying they won't be friendly. They may be a friend of mine, but I'm not there to pal around with them. You understand? There's a respect level. There's understanding that they've got what I need. They've got what I want, and I'm going to press in and serve. See, that's why it's hard. The more, this, see, I'm going to get into something that blows people's minds, but the more you make your mentor your peer, the less easy and desirable it is to serve them. Catch this. The more you try to make your mentor your peer, the less you'll serve them the less you'll serve them because you'll look at them. You'll look at them as on the same level as you. The more you try to make a mentor appear, you'll look at that person as, well, they're at the same level as me. And and here's the thing. (laughs) Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. See, because what happens is, and I've seen this a million times, what happens is the more you get to know about somebody, The more you feel like you know them, the more 
the respect level that you have for them begins to lower. When you start to realize, oh, he's just a man like me. Oh, he's no different than I am. Oh, he goes through the same struggles I do. Oh, he And of course we know people are human. We're not trying to make them gods. But understand, familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity is not your friend. It's your enemy. It's your enemy. And so the desire to make your mentor your peer is actually a dangerous practice that actually will keep you from receiving impartation from your mentor. I don't want to be your best friend. And see, if you're not mature, and Pastor Allen, man, he's got a great book coming out on this. On It's called The Table. It's called The Table about how every, there's different groups in the body of Christ that are eating at different tables. You've got the high chair and you've got the kids table and then you've got the adults table. You understand that not every believer is eating at the adults table. <laughs> some are eating milk, some are eating bread, some are eating meat. And not every believer is eating at the adults table. There's still believers sitting in church eating in the high chair. And Pastor Allen's got a great book called The Table coming out on that. You got to get it when it drops. But understand, here's the problem. Not everybody's at that level of, of, of maturity in the spirit. So here's what happens. If I'm at a low level of maturity and I'm interacting with, a, with a, a mentor and that they won't allow me to be their best friend, I can easily, because I'm immature, I can start getting angry. Well, he's not being my friend. He's not calling me every day. He's not blah, blah, blah. He's not going to the mall with me. They won't come out to the movies with me. Well, I thought my pastor was supposed to be. No. And if you treat your mentor like a peer, you won't serve them. And you'll look at their flesh and you'll miss the spirit. You'll look at the flesh and miss the spirit. You'll look at the flesh and miss the spirit. There needs to be a level of separation because there's an authority that's developed by separation. I don't need to know everything about you. I don't need to know everything about you. You know, whoever it may be, I don't need to know everything about you. I need what you've got in the spirit. You may not even like the, let me say it this way. You may not even like the personality type of your mentor. You might not even like the way they give you what they're giving you, but you still got to understand what they're giving you is gold. What they're giving you is gold. You may not like it. You may not care for their, the way that they talk or the way that they address you. You know, you, you, you may not, you think, well, he, I thought he should call and be on the phone with me for an hour, carefully walking me through. You know, it's funny. You say, well, I, I really thought they should just call and walk me through it. And no, I was listening to my, to my pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, talk about this the other day. You know, he considers his mentor now to be uh, Dr. John Evanzini. And Bishop Rick said, I'll just, I'll be driving and I'll be, I'll be in my car and my phone will ring and it'll be Dr. John. And he said, I know, I know how he is. So I'll pull over to the side of the road and he'll say, you know, not even a hello. He'll just call. Hello. And then on the other line, Ricky, you got something to write with? Not even a hello, not even a how is your day going today? How are you doing? How's your ministry? How's the church? No, it's Ricky, you got something to write with? Yes, I do. Put this down. And then a, a revelation that God gave Dr. John, he's transferring over the phone. You got something to write with? Write this down. There's the revelation. And then he'll say, you got that? Yeah, I got it. All right, see you later. Pop, he hangs up on him. Well, Anybody that's immature in the faith is like, well, Dr. John didn't even ask me how my ministry's going. Dr. John didn't even ask me how I'm doing or how my wife is doing or my kids are doing. That's how people get. They get whiny. 
They get really wild. He didn't even ask me how I'm feeling, or he didn't ask me if God showed me anything. You know, he he just got on the phone, gave me what he had. He didn't ask me if God had anything in my heart. This is how immature people deal with it, and that's why they don't get impartation. And you think about that. Hello? Hey, you got something right with? Yeah, write this down. You got it? Yeah, bye. Con- <laughs> that's, that's the whole interaction right there. That's the whole interaction. But you know what Bishop understands? Is that he just got a piece of gold out of the treasure that's in the field. You see that? He just got a piece of gold that's in the treasure buried in the field. If we get all hung up, oh, I don't like, I don't like how he told it to me. I don't, well, he called me at the wrong time. Well, I don't, I was busy. I don't know. Total investment for full impartation. Total investment for full impartation. This is so powerful. You got to catch it. Total investment for full impartation. If you want it, you got to grab it. When they're giving it, you got to grab it. When they're giving it, you got to grab it. Notice this. When, when, uh, when Elijah was with Elisha and, and Elisha was serving him and he went on his last, he went on his last trip before he was taken up after crossing the Jordan River into heaven. Did you notice this? If you study the story, did you notice that Elisha at every point where they stopped, Elijah would say to him, Hey, listen, uh, st- why don't you stay here? Just go ahead and stay here. Uh, I got somewhere to go and, and, and you're good. You're good. You can stay. Notice this. I don't even think I think more than anything, it was a test on Elisha's part to see how hungry he was to see. Now, now watch this. It's not just to see how hungry he was to get what Elijah had, but notice this. It was also testing his maturity to receive it. Well, my mentor doesn't even want me to go with him. He's on a very important journey. My mentor doesn't even want me to go with him. He keeps telling me to stay behind. Maturity says, I don't care what you tell me. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm not going to leave your side. I'm not leaving your side. Well, my mentor didn't even want me to go. Told me to stay back. I best. I better stay here. I got And immaturity will keep you in a place where you can't receive from your mentor because you're at a place where you didn't like the way it was delivered to you. He told me to stay, and I was the one that was serving him all these years, and he, he, he should have said, come with me everywhere I go. No, you make the decision to get over the dirt that's in the field and find the treasure that's buried there. There is treasure under the dirt. You understand? And so Elisha, it was a test for him. Stay behind, stay behind. No, I'm, key, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. That's right. Alan's saying in the comments, most people walk away from the field because they just don't understand what's in the field. And many people leave churches offended, not understanding the treasure that's in their house. It's exactly right. Is that if you miss out, see, if you're so immature, all you'll look at is the dirt. As I said, you may not like the way your mentor talks to you. I'm sure people didn't like the way Dr. Lester Summerall talked to them. I'm sure there were others, Smith Wigglesworth, Howard Carter, that were gruff. I'm sure there were many people that didn't like the way it came. But if you have to go past the dirt and get the treasure, you have to go past the way it comes and understand what you're getting. It's not the way, it's the what. Put that in the comments. I'm not looking for the way, I'm looking for the what. Immature people are looking for the way. I'm looking for the what. See that? Put it, put it in the comments. Put it in the comments. I'm not looking for the way, I'm looking for the what. 
I'm not looking for the way, I'm looking for the what. Income any way God wants to give it to me. He can give it to me any way he wants to give it to me. I'm not, I don't need a specific way, I'm looking for the what. Immature people are looking for the way. Godly people are looking for the what. What am I getting? What am I getting? I said this yesterday, offense is an action, being offended is a choice. Not looking for Wait, I'm looking for what? Let me read to you this before we close and I pray for you today. The book of Philemon. It's before the book of Hebrews, so you don't have to turn to the contents page. Um, (laughs) Paul has a plea for uh, his fellow servant, Onesimus. And he's writing a letter to Philemon talking about Onesimus. And I want you to see what impartation did for this man named Onesimus? It completely changed him and his form and function and value. If you're writing it, I know you're still put, putting it in the comments. I'm not looking for the way, I'm looking for the what. But I want you to put this as well. Impartation determines my value. Impartation determines my value. Impartation determines my value impartation determines my value and that's what happened for Onesimus and look at what Paul said imagine being talked about like this this makes me laugh but Paul was willing to talk about it because it was the truth and he writes this letter to Philemon and says uh, accordingly verse 8 of of the only chapter that's in it accordingly though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. So notice what Paul's saying to start out. Philemon, you're under me. And I could actually just give you a command to do what what I'm telling you to do. But because of love, I want to actually just appeal to you and ask you. And this is what he's asking him. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus... I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So notice this. Paul is saying, I became Onesimus' spiritual father while he was here with me and I was in prison. Look at this. Verse 11 is so important. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now... He is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Maybe this is why he was parted from you for a little while that you might take him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Notice this, Paul's talking about Onesimus, Philemon's actual brother. His actual brother. He said, when he left you (laughs) and you sent him to me, he was useless. You know he was useless and I know he was useless. But I became his spiritual father. And what Paul's teaching here is I imparted to him 
while he was here with me and I was in prison, I was imparting to Onesimus. And as I'm imparting to him, I'm taking him from useless to useful. Now that I'm sending him back to you, literally, I'm sending back a different kind of man. I'm sending back a useful man full of my spirit and my power and my impartation. And now you can receive him back forever as a useful brother, not just in blood, but in the spirit to do what God's called you to do. Impartation makes you useful and it determines your value. Impartation. But what are we talking about today? What is this thing before we pray that nobody wants to talk about? It, it is this thought that impartation, true transfer, true mantle transfer comes through serving the one who carries what you desire. This will all be in the book further faster, but I felt compelled in my spirit because this thought of serving, you can't just give people's mantles away. You can't just give people's anointings away. You only can receive what you serve, what you honor, what you desire. True, full impartation comes through serving, through serving. Moses was served by Joshua. Elijah served by Elisha. Jesus served by the disciples. Paul served by Timothy, Titus, Onesimus, Philemon. And these are men that caught what he had and carried it on. This is what we need. A desire to lose our pride and understand total investment is needed for total transfer. Total investment is needed for total transfer. If I want that, I've got to invest in that. If I want that, I've got to invest in that. I want to pray for you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. There are people watching this broadcast today, not just live, but on the replay. They're watching from all over the world. And we need impartation in this generation, Lord. We need the impartation of the previous generation into our lives. Father, connect us, number one, with someone that will bring us higher. Connect us with someone that can be considered a spiritual father, a mentor, someone that will impart to us supernatural gifts, talents, abilities, and a mantle that can be transferred that will determine our purpose and our function in the kingdom of God. Use us mightily in these final moments before Jesus comes back. I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, to let all pride melt away from our life and let humility and meekness take over. Because as your word declares, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We thank you that meekness is the key for inheritance and that we will receive what you have planned for us because of the meekness that's on the inside of our spirit. Father, we pray for every person that needs miracles today. Sarah's uncle Nelson, who's battling cancer. We take authority over that spirit of cancer, that spirit of infirmity. I curse it in Jesus' name. I command every cancer cell to die and pass from his body in Jesus' name. For the man that came on who was addicted to pornography, which brought a spirit of perversion into his life, and now he's a practicing homosexual. I pray in Jesus' name that you would bring deliverance. He's calling out for help, knowing that it's not the right way to live. I pray for that man. I take authority over a spirit of perversion. I command it to leave his life in Jesus' mighty name. If you're still watching me, you need to be connected to a church, an anointed man of God that will train and raise you up in the way of faith. If you need help, send us a message and I'll find a place for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person who's battling today. And I pray that you would bring them a quick deliverance, quick healing in Jesus' mighty name. I love you, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. 
I feel the anointing on this today. I hope you guys were blessed. I'm telling you, this is a message that needs to be in our generation. That's why I'm writing this book. And thank you for your patience for every, every person that's been waiting to receive your copy. I appreciate it. Let me say this to you today. I want to encourage you to take a moment and sow a seed. Sow a seed by faith, knowing that you're getting ready to go higher. That you're getting ready to go higher. For every person that's sowing this, this month, $100 or more, I have a special set that I've put together for you. It's already finished. It's called What to Do When Trouble Comes. Five hours or more of teaching that we've put together in a package for you. What to do when trouble comes. How do you respond? What are you supposed to do when you're standing in faith, but it seems like everything is coming against you? Seems like you're being destroyed. The devil's lying and saying you won't make it. For every person that's standing with Carolyn and me this month, as we're preaching the gospel, going all over the place, seeing people saved and changed, touched by the power of God, we're going to send this to you as a gift to say that we love you. If you'd like to sow a seed today, there's four ways you can do it. Those of you that are on Facebook and Periscope, you can give by putting hashtag donate in the comments section, and you can give right in the comments without ever having to leave. But if you'd like to go to our website, miracleword.com, you can give right there on the site. I realize though, people like to use apps now to, to, to sow their seeds. People are using PayPal and Cash App more frequently. So if you'd like to use PayPal, our, our email address is info at miracleword.com to give via PayPal. And if you'd like to use Cash App, it, our username is dollar sign miracle word for Cash App. And you can sow a seed instantly through those applications or on the website or right here in the comments section. And as I said, for every person this month sowing $100 or more, I'm going to send you that. Uh, you know what? I'm going to change it. For every person that's partnering with us this month for $85 or more, we're going to send you that. We're going to send you that album, five discs, five plus hours of teaching, what to do when trouble comes. It's important. God doesn't just look at you to see how you respond when things are going right. He looks to see how are you responding when enemies are trying to attack you, trouble's trying to come against your life. How are you going to walk in victory? How are you going to exercise your faith? If you'd like to send a check, Bonnie, thank you for saying that and reminding me. If those of you that are watching, you'd like to send a check, um, our whole mailing address is at the footer of the website, miracleword.com. If you go to that website, go to the very bottom, you'll find the mailing address, P.O. Box 65116, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23467. You can send a check there. And I want to say I love and appreciate every person that's joined with us in partnership. We pray for you all the time. We're believing God for your increase and for your blessing for your family. We love you. And we say we appreciate all of you so very much. Once again, the magazine ships today. And if you'd like to get it, there's still time to get the new edition of the magazine at miracleword.com. Fill out the form. And uh, we also have uh, emails going out every week. We just, one of the delays that you've seen, someone said, I haven't received an email in a while. We're just changing email providers now. I found an even better solution and uh, our team's helped us out. It's going to be phenomenal. So we're going to be sending out, out new stuff starting this week and uh, it's going to be awesome. And if you've not gotten a chance to sign up to receive those emails at miracleword.com forward slash live, or you can click the magazine on the homepage, fill that form out and we'll not only uh, send you those emails, but... We're going to send you a free devotional, 40-day devotional ebook in the email that I'm going to send, as well as this brand new magazine that is releasing. 
We're going to send out the digital version of that as well so that you can have it on your tablet, your phone, your laptop, whatever. And uh, we really, really appreciate and love you guys. And I can't wait to show you some of these things. I'm burning with updates, but I, I'm not allowed to say them. <laughs> the team said, do not tell them until things are ready to roll. So the lips are zipped. <laughs> I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging today. Thanks for joining me. Uh, once again, all of these broadcasts are going to be readily available on the podcast as well. You can listen on any podcast platform uh, and we're there and you can get it on your phone or tablet, however you like to listen. And uh, we make it available for you guys all the time. We love you so much. Have a powerful and a wonderful day. And I will be back tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m. Talk to you soon. Love you guys. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.